Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast and our Gears and Dares episode where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL player prospects we dare to make. My name is Sakun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our Gears and Dares episode, senior staff writer, Joanne Tong. How are you doing, Joanne? Good. Hey, everyone. All right. So let's get started as usual and get this thing rolling lots to talk about today, including our Scare of the Week, when you alert, and our prospects that we dare to make in Super Wild Card Weekend. Let's go. All right, as usual, let's start with our Scare of the Week, the 2023 film from Argentina, When Evil Lurks, streaming on Shudder and AMC+. So this movie uh, runs at a brisk one hour and 39 minutes. Brand new movie out of Argentina, written and directed by Demian Rugna and produced by Fernando Diaz and Roxano Ramos. It was released uh, late this year and then went to shutter about a week after its wide release. Uh, and as I stated, it is actually quite brisk. Although uh, keep in mind, it is in Spanish. So you will do have to do a little bit of reading. As usual, we'll start with a little bit of a short summary on the plot, minus any major spoilers. And then we will go ahead and tell you what we thought about the movie. If you want to skip ahead to our picks, just skip about 15 minutes ahead and you can check out our picks then. But if not, let's get going. So the morning after hearing gunshots, brothers Pedro, played by Ezekiel Rodriguez, and Jimmy, played by Demian Solomon, discover the body of a man which leads them to a nearby shack where Maria Elena and her two sons are hiding. The eldest, Uriel, has become a rotten or what they call him, uh, which is a being possessed by an unborn demon who is awaiting physical birth. The body found, they found was that of a quote-unquote cleaner, a person called by Marina Alina to kill Uriel and abort the demon before it possesses others. Now, Pedro and Jimmy go to the police, but they dismiss the demon as not their problem. The brothers then approach the landowner, Ruiz, who forces Pedro and Jimmy to help him evict Uriel from his land while uh, failing to follow any of the proper rites of exorcism, by moving him onto his truck and dumping him outside his land. Now, after narrowly avoiding a young boy who mysteriously appears on the road, the three men discover later that um, Uriel has somehow escaped the truck. They don't know where it is, but Riaz decides they've gotten Uriel far enough away and decides he's going to go home. The next morning, Ruiz's pregnant wife, Yimena, discovers one of their goats has become possessed. Against her warning not to use guns because they help spread the, po- the possession of the rotten, Ruiz shoots the goat just to be quickly murdered by his wife by an axe, who then commits suicide by hitting her head with her, the same axe multiple times. Of course, all these reckless actions by Ruiz, Pedro, and Jimmy trigger an epidemic of possessions across their rural community. Jimmy and Pedro agree to leave town with their family members to avoid the possessions. Jimmy gets their mother while Pedro goes to get his sons, J.R. and Santino, from his ex-wife Sabrina's house. As Pedro argues with Sabrina and her new husband, Leonardo, the family dog, who previously licked Pedro's demon-touched clothing, attacks Vicky, Leonardo and Sabrina's daughter, and then drags her away. Pedro warns Leonardo not to shoot the dog of a gun, but Leonardo chases after the dog and shoots him down anyway, and Pedro returns to Sabrina and sees Vicky is back unharmed and threatening Sabrina, so Pedro steals their car, suspecting that Vicky has been possessed. 
As Pedro drives away with his sons, he witnesses Leonardo crash his car into Sabrina as Vicky dances nearby on the driveway. Now Pedro, Jimmy, their mom, and Pedro's two sons must outrun an encroaching evil as it corrupts and mutilates everyone it's exposed to and enlist aid of a wizened cleaner that Jimmy knew from the past who holds perhaps the only tools that can stop this supernatural plague. So I'll stop there so it's not to go into any more... Uh, any more uh, spoilers? Just give you a little bit of a idea of what the movie is about, and uh, some of the wording there might sound kind of flory, uh, flowery, is because I took it right from the press release. Uh, they lose a lot of flowery language in their press release. But what do you think about this movie, Joanne? Yeah, it was interesting because I don't think you appreciate the movie until you finish it, mm-hmm. and I say that because that's where I was. I was like really frustrated with the characters and I was just like, Oh, this movie blows. (laughs) Well, just because you hated the character, all the characters were not really characters that were ones that you actually cared to survive. I think this is the way to put it. Right. Yeah. So that, and that's what I mean. So when you see, when you get to the end, then you kind of have, and I think we discussed, the ending of the movie and I think there you kind of have a perspective that you know this movie is actually you know very truthful in how it's depicted right right and I think and, and it's actually funny we're kind of jumping ahead because this is one of the things I, I wrote down as my liked least things uh, it's you know I didn't like the characters they were just not characters that were likable in any way mm-hmm. but I think it was intentional right I think that Pedro, in particular, made a lot of bad decisions, which we love to yell at the screen about and be angry about and say, what the heck are you doing? But in all honesty, is probably the most realistic reflection of how a normal average person would have reacted in a similar situation. You know, the people generally aren't superheroes. They aren't superheroes. They act in their own self-interest. They're trying to save their own family at the expense of everybody else. And I know that, you know, minor spoiler alert, but that's Pedro. That's basically Pedro. And, and you know, you, you can't, in one hand, you can blame him for not being a superhero. On the other hand, you can't blame him because I'd say that 90% of the population would do something very similar to what Pedro did. Yeah, he's pretty much the average individual. And I think that's the thing. When you see him, you just, and this is from the beginning of the movie and pretty much holds true throughout. Although you do see these kind of, and I think that's what was really good about this movie. Like it showed how people can't be objective when it comes to themselves, right. but can be very objective when it comes to other people. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and, and there one scenario, and I don't think this gives much away, but you know, again, spoiler alert, you can skip ahead, you know, 20 seconds if you don't want to hear it. Um, you know, when when Vicky, um, which is actually Sabrina and Leonardo's daughter, is dragged away by the dog, um, Pedro can be very objective about what they should or shouldn't do. You right. know, don't shoot the dog, do all this, that, and the other, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But when it comes to his own sons, Sayer or Santino, he cannot be objective. And right. so it's put in a similar situation in the same movie, just later on in time, he reacts very differently to the way he reacted when Vicky was taken by the possessed dog. Yeah. So certainly I think that that is a, an accurate kind of depiction of what an average person would do yeah. in that scenario. And I think, and that's what I think makes this movie really good is because it does depict the average person. It's not so much the John Wicks, the John McClane, right. the John Rambo, right. 
you know, no, John, uh, John Shaft, if you didn't know his first name. Oh, that's a lot of John. And John Constantine. Wow, there's, a, there's quite a few. So the, the lesson that we learned here is if your first name is John, you are a badass, basically. That's basically what we're saying. Yeah, I could go on. There's a lot of John. Okay. But, I mean, like, these were all characters that just kind of aren't your average your average individual. Right. They are able to kind of do what's for the greater good. Even though John McClane is doing it for his wife, right? Right, like this is the impetus of it. But you know, he could kind of step out of that and be a superhero, which I think no one is in this. Yeah, moment. and he has empathy for everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter, he doesn't want anybody hurt. And I mean, John McClane in Die Hard, of course, yes. doesn't want anybody hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, even when it came to you know anybody who was there, basically, right. he was he didn't want them hurt. You know, even that jerk who I can't even remember the coworker. Uh, to his wife, the one who was snorting like a pound of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, whatever his name is, uh, he even didn't want him hurt, right? So, but that certainly is not Pedro, okay? And and obviously Pedro is the everyman here. Um, uh, so let's ask you, what do you like most, and what do you like least about the movie? Um, so we already discussed it. What I liked most, I think, is the depiction of the reality of the characters, and how it is true that like for like you said, 90% of the people, you can't be rational when it comes to somebody that you love, but can be very rational when it's someone else right. and it doesn't involve you. And I thought that depiction was done really, really well in this movie. Yeah. And as you watch it, you see that, like even from the landowner who didn't want yeah, Ruiz. the, yep. who didn't want the, the possessed individual on his land. Right. I, to the fact that, like, you know, he went to this extent because he's like, I'm going to save my family. Yeah. But in actuality, he didn't. No, he ended up being the downfall of everybody's family. Basically. Right. And so, like, people think that they could kind of solve these issues by handing it off to someone else. And that's just really not how things usually work. Right, right. And I, and I think the thing that I liked most, uh, and we are talking about what I like least, but what I like most, I think, is the fact that this is a combination of two very crowded genres, uh, the zombie horror genre and the possession horror genre. And they've come and you combine it in a new and unique way that is somewhat familiar, but also very different at the same time, you know, because they had definitely had a feel of being like Dawn of the Dead. You know what I mean? It had that this this kind of had that feel of one of the dead movies, undead movies, you know, one of the Romero movies. Because it just kind of kept spreading, right? It was getting out when it started small and it started spreading, getting out of control, taking over whole whole towns, destroying whole towns, and people can't outrun it. You just can't outrun it, right? Because um, it just it passes through like a virus, right? And it moves too fast, right? right? You get you you have to deal with it. You can't outrun it, right? And that's exactly what happens here. But it's not zombies; it's this possession, um, which I think is really a unique way of using possession, right? And like the um, I can't remember the rules that. Uh, the grandmother gave. Oh, right. She gave like sev- seven, seven rules, rules yeah. about how, you know, you're supposed to fight them. And mm-hmm. and they say one of the things that it does is that it affects electricity. Right, 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 right. It said like electric lights cast shadows and those shadows are dangerous. Right. Which it calls the demon, whereas you use non-electric lights and you're okay. So, I, so, you know, we didn't actually look up to see if those fables were true. Right. But, I mean, I... Uh, you know, well, it's cool to have something to operate under, right? Right, kind of, I, I agree. That's what I was saying. That there are these rules, rules. Right. yes, and like, and they stuck the, to them. And the thing is, is that 
a lot of people did know about these rules, right? right. And a lot them. of people didn't. Right. Yeah. Right. And the funny thing is that like so many people o- over and over again, as you already can tell from just a little summary we gave, said don't use firearms, you yeah. know, to kill possessed. And everybody kept doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just uh-huh. kept doing it, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, that, and that's real, it's reality though, right? Because right. if you have these kind of strange rules and strange happenings, chances are you'll take the easiest possible route to get, to get rid of them, right? Because yeah. they think that's the best way to solve it. And unfortunately, it's not. It is absolutely yeah. not, as you can tell. And of course, minor spoiler alert, if you're looking for a happy, you know, um, go lucky ending, it is not this. <laughs> it is definitely not it this. Is, it is, it's very much reality, it's very of, much reality of what would happen yeah. if something like this. All right, let's get, let's get to the scarometer here. Zero being uh, My Little Pony, 10 being I Poop My Pants. What do you got here? You know, I gave this one um, a five because okay. there were a lot of gruesome scenes in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, the idea that can be scary, um, especially if you put yourselves in their position, mm-hmm. uh, Position. Position. And possession. Um, <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of gruesome scenes. But yeah, I, I, it's scary in that sense. Right. Right. The perspective is good. I, I thought I gave it a seven. I thought it had magnificent tension that they built slowly over time, and it was almost like a rolling stone that was getting out of control downhill. And they, they, they tried to divert it, but they couldn't do it, and they did all the wrong things. They basically did everything they could to speed it up, which is, uh, you know, and it's, it's infuriating while you watch it but it's fascinating to watch how everything goes terrible so fast and, and how it ends yeah like and how, how it, it ends. comes to and how the ending comes right. i think is is that's why i was like you know you have to see the movie in its entirety even if you're like i hate this movie i hate these people i, hate I don't, these I don't characters. think anyone's gonna hate the movie you know? but they're gonna hate the people right they're just not sympathetic characters right but that's what makes you hate the movie like oh, why am i watching this i wish this guy <laughs> would just die yeah and which would end the movie obviously and that would be no fun um but yes i agree but i think it's a seven because of the fact that it it, it obviously has great tension building it was fascinating. It's like a train wreck in many ways. You can't look away. And at the ending is, is perfect. Absolutely perfect for this type of movie. Uh, it, it actually made me wonder, wait, is there some other scene? <laughs> you know? So I, I thought that was uh, really well done. All right. Before we get to our star rating, which is zero out of four, let's go to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, according to the tomato meter out of 106 reviews, it's got a 97% by the critics. They loved it. The critics consensus is a hard-hitting horror film whose surface-level frights are just as engaging as the thematic concerns. When Evil Lurks marks a viscerally unsettling addition to the possession horror canon. And an audience score of 81%. You generally don't see this when you have the audience score and tomato meter uh, very high at the same time. Critics tend to like movies that people don't. <laughs> people tend yeah. to like movies that critics don't. Yeah. Uh, audience uh, consensus is when Evil Lurks holds nothing back in its mission to unsettle the viewer and it mostly succeeds, even if it starts stronger than it finishes. I don't know. I think she's not, I think it finished pretty strong too. I thought it finished stronger than it started. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that the story itself carried it over. All right. So give us your stars uh, rating here. Zero to four. Zero being crap. Four being the best. What do you give? Uh, I gave it a three. Three. Very good. I gave it a 3.5. I really liked this uh-huh. movie. I, know. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> All right. So that is the scare of the week when evil lurks. Go check it out on Shudder and AMC Plus, 2023 movie from Argentina. Definitely a must-watch, in my opinion, if you are a horror aficionado. All right, let's go ahead and uh, hit the boxing bell on this part of the show and move on to the next section. 
And that's going to be the prop bets we dare to make in Super Wild Card Weekend. So, Joanne, give us your first prop bet of the week. It is definitely a dare because I had picked Matthew Stafford um, against the Detroit Lions. Okay. And he's at 275.5 passing yards, and I picked the over. Okay. Well, the over on 275.5 passing yards, why is that? So, you know, this is going to be really close. And I think an uh, argument could be made to go under um, if, if you're so inclined. Um, but I'm going to go I'm going to go on the daring side and pick the over. Okay. Uh, so this season, Stafford averaged um, his average passing yard is. 264.3. Okay. So obviously that's under. Right. Um, and But he's facing the Detroit Lions, who currently have the sixth worst defense against the pass and the second best defense against the run. Right. So, I mean, that gives Matthew Stafford a real leg up. Sure. Especially against his old Lions team, where I'm sure he really wants to beat them. Well, I <laughs> he mean, wants to say, like, I am the better quarterback. I have, I have the better team. But you're gonna win. But I still I do think that Matt, Matthew Stafford loves the Detroit Lions, though. I mean, oh, like he, he loves he was, them. He was, he, of course, he loves them. Right. They love him. He I couldn't mean, just he, he couldn't was, succeed in Detroit. That was the problem. Yes, I mean, like he he loves them, but he wants to show that he is a good quarterback. Sure. Yeah. Right. And 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 I think like if Mullins could get 396 passing yards on Detroit last week. Yeah. I you know I I I think that Matthew Stafford. Could get like 278. Yeah, sure. Anything that's <laughs> over 275.5, I guess, would be probably fine. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. It's definitely going to funnel the offense through the air, for sure. And you know, Stafford has you know uh, thrown for over 276 uh, mm-hmm. six times this season okay. against teams like the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, really, really solid defenses. So I'm and, and so I don't see why. He couldn't do it this week. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with that pick. Matthew Stafford over 275.5 passing yards. Uh, I will go ahead and give you my first pick, and it's the opposite side of the field in the same game. I'm taking Jared Goff, and Jared Goff has an over/under of 258.5 passing yards. I am taking the over on 258.5 passing yards, and here's why. So the Rams are only the 20th uh, ranked defense in terms of pa- defending the pass. And Jared Goff will likely be in a shootout here with the Rams at home in a dome with no weather impact. So obviously that helps Matthew Stafford as well. I think that's why I love this game so much is that we don't have to worry about the weather. And we know the weather is going to really impact a number of games. A lot of them. A lot of the games this this weekend. Um, The Lions have scored 30 or more points in six of their last nine games. And the Rams have also been scoring in droves. And the over-under is now 51.5. That definitely reflects that this is going to be a shootout. Uh, between the Rams and the Detroit Lions, because both of them have not so good defenses. They, exactly, the <laughs> exactly. They have, they both have issues yeah. defending the pass. And although also, the Lions are worse. Right, right. And then although you said there is a little bit of a hashtag revenge for Matthew Stafford, I think there's a bigger hashtag revenge narrative for Jared Goff, who brought the Rams to a Super Bowl only to be traded away to the Lions for Stafford who not only brought them to the Super Bowl, but won it for them. So I'm sure he's thinking, I was the number one overall pick there. I brought you there. Why did you get rid of me? I can do, I can do that. He's going to have motivation to throw in his old team and get Detroit its first playoff win in 32 years, which, by the way, is an NFL record that I'm sure Goff and the Lions would like to forget. 
You know what's interesting? Because the two of them couldn't find success in their old teams, right? Yeah. But, you know, found success in their new well, teams. Well, Goff got close, right? I mean, they got to the Super Bowl that lost to the Patriots. Let's be honest. Close is, you know. Well, they were, he was the first loser, right? Yeah. They, they lost the Super Bowl. So there's that. But I get what you're saying, you know, but when they traded him, they were thinking, like, we need something else. Yeah, right? they, Goff was a throw-in, obviously. They were like, we're just using a stopgap solution for the Detroit Lions. And we'll get we'll draft another quarterback. And it's just interesting to see that Matthew Stafford was became that that quarterback for the team for the Rams. Well, I mean the Rams though they they specifically targeted Matthew Stafford. They thought he was going to be the missing piece, and they were right. Whereas Jared Goff was a throw-in, right? I mean the Rams didn't need him anymore, so the Detroit Lions took him in the trade. And at that point, they were thinking he'll just be a stopgap solution for a year. It turns out he's great for them. Right, and a lot of quarterbacks. Although they don't find success with one team, they find it with another. Right, of course. And this is, I mean, look at Ryan Tannehill, of course. That's like a poster boy for somebody who was unsuccessful in his first team, but very successful in his next team. But now it's becoming unsuccessful again. Yeah, you know, it comes in waves. So (laughs) it is what it is. In addition, uh, Goff has had 271 or more passing yards in three of Detroit's last four games. Uh, So I like Goff to go over 258.5 passing yards in this game against the Rams. Okay. 258. I mean, if Stafford was 258, that would be an easy over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Jared Goff, you know, he has the second most passing yards of uh, any quarterback this year. That's what I'm saying. It's it's really, I think they're taking in account the the past defense. Well, yeah. it, it, they are definitely taking that into account, and they're also taking into account the weapons. I mean, Sam Laporta likely out yes, in this game, Sam or Laporta very, very limited. Yeah. Uh, we already know that Khalif Raymond is out. We know that Jameson Williams is coming back from an injury. So, really, he's got Amaran Ross and Brown, and I mean, not much else, right? Josh Reynolds, perhaps. Well, Matt Stafford, I mean, he's loaded, right? He's got, he's got Puka Nakua. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got Tyler Higby coming back from injury. He's got uh, Demarcus Robinson, who's been up uh, over the last uh, five or six games. Uh, and then, you know, as a as a backup, their fourth wide receiver is Tudu Atwell. So, yeah, that's quite, true. quite frankly, yeah. they're loaded in terms of receiving options. Um, so I think that that's probably they're taking that into account as well. All right, so that's that's my pick. Jared Goff over 258.5 passing yards. What's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield yep. uh, at the Bucks against the Philadelphia Eagles at uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, okay. It's 234.5 passing yards, and I picked the over for this too. Okay. So, uh, same, re- same reasoning. The defense for the Eagles' pass game was really strong in the beginning of the season. Well, they were – I mean, they – they immediately slid. <laughs> it was like really good in the beginning. And then all of a sudden something just happened and their defense for some reason just went to shit. Yeah. It's and, crap. And currently they sit as the second worst defense against the past. Like yes. that's just unbelievable to me. True. But when you see the number of games they lost in the second half of the season, it kind of rings true. It's been, they've been pretty bad. in the, So, in the yeah. So like, so Tampa Bay, you know, is, is there at the bottom with them with the fourth, worst pass defense so this might also be kind of a shootout of a game because they're going to be playing in tampa bay right so the weather's not going to be cold there's not going to be any snow or anything so you know this also has the potential to be kind of like a a, you know air like a passing game you know scoring fest but um yeah so the so the so the eagles are also stronger in the run game 
And so this, you know, but so this might give um, Baker Mayfield kind of, you know, an opportunity to throw the ball more so right. than run it. And on average, Baker Mayfield uh, in his games uh, averages 237.9 passing yards this season. And that is more than 234.5. And also, he's only had six games, which was under 234.5, which is the line. So out of the 17 games he played, only six were under. So, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to root for the Buccaneers because that's something <laughs> I wouldn't do. Right. But, I mean, I really would like to see Baker Mayfield succeed. Like, sure. I think he's, you know, I, I, it's unfortunate that like, he's not a great quarterback. I think we could all say that, you know, he's he's not up there with Patrick Mahomes. No. Even that Patrick Mahomes is whipping a little. But right. no one will ever say Patrick Mahomes is a mediocre quarterback. Right. And unfortunately Baker Mayfield is, you know, he's not he's not great, but he's not bad either. Right. And for this reason I think he could get it done and I really wish him success. Well, you got Mike Evans and you got Chris Godwin, you got Kate Otten. He's got lots of targets out there. And um, and hopefully uh some of the Browns secondary will be Eagles out. Eagles secondary. Um, wow. Yeah. Some of the yeah, um, some of the Eagles secondary will be out. Yep. You know, some of their safeties. Well, we do we do know that Sidney Brown has already been ruled out with an ACL injury. We know that Reed Blankenship is dealing with a groin injury. Did not practice all week, so, yeah, so they may be yeah. turning to their third stringer Tristan McCollum at this point. So that, yeah. they will have some problems in the secondary that's already not good. So, so also going to be very helpful. Right, right. So that's what you have there. You have Baker Mayfield and you're taking the over on 234.5 passing yards. My second pick is another quarterback. It's Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys facing off against the Green Bay Packers at home in Dallas. Um, and the over under is set at 275.5 passing yards. I am taking the over on 275.5 passing yards. And here's why. The Cowboys we all know have been really good at home this season as compared to being on the road. They score twice as much. They, they defend uh, much better on uh, at home, and it makes their two-seed an incredibly valuable uh, positioning for them in the playoffs. Uh, the Packers are going to be there this weekend. They've scored 20 or more points in seven or past eight games. I'm liking this game to be a shootout, and it, it seems that uh, the betters are, are agreeing with us as the over-under has moved up from 48.5 to 50.5 as of today. Prescott has thrown for 271 or more yards in seven of the Cowboys' last seven games, and he's in more than 276 in five of eight home games this season, with one barely missing at 271. So I think he's a good chance here to hit 276 or more this weekend against the Packers. Now, the Packers have been decent defending the pass, allowing ninth least passing yards per game, but they're better at home than they are on the road, and they are going to be on the road in Dallas this weekend. In two of their last four away games, the Packers allowed 312 passing yards to Bryce Young of the Carolina Panthers and 332 yards to the aforementioned Jared Goff. Dak Prescott is at least better than Young and has C.D. Lamb right now, who is absolutely el fuego. Everyone has been criticizing the Cowboys for not being able to win a playoff game. I think they keep their foot on the pedal throughout the wild card weekend, and Prescott goes over 275.5 passing yards. Yeah, you know, I am very torn with this because I know you hate Green Bay. You don't want to see them go any further. Yeah, but, but I, I also hate, hate, I hate the Cowboys, but too. I hate the Cowboys, and I, I don't want them. them to go any further. And I think, and you might hate this, but I really hope that Green Bay wins because I'm pretty certain they'll get knocked out after after this week. Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. 
And, um, you know, it's like picking the better of two evils at this point. Yeah. But I do think that regardless, win or lose, that Prescott's going to exceed that passing yard because they're going to be, they're going to be, it's going to be a shootout. They're going to be firing in all cylinders and it's going to be a shootout. And quite frankly, the Cowboys, even if they're up big, will continue to layer it on because they want to prove all the naysayers wrong about them not being able to perform in the playoffs. You know, this has been something that's circled around the Cowboys for a long time, even all the way back to the Tony Romo days. So I think they want to show everybody that they can do it. They got the two seed. They're going to try to preserve that positioning, which is really important to them. They're better at home. He's going to exceed the yardage. I don't know if they'll win, but he's going to exceed the yardage. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm just hoping they don't win. Um, I don't see how they don't win, though, compared to what Green Bay has been looking like. Yeah. So, but I just. I just have to hope that they both get knocked out. Okay, well, so let's say let's say that the uh, earth does not open up and swallow them whole. We'll yes. see what happens. One of them will lose this weekend. And that brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right. So, Joanne, give us your social media so people can follow you. At Kung Fu For You on X, formerly Twitter. All right. You can give her a follow and let her know what you think about her pick, good or bad. I'll let you know they're terrible or whatever. Uh, So just really quick, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com. Also brought to you by BetUS. Receive 125% sportsbook bonus on initial deposit. Use the link in the podcast description to get this special offer. All right. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. You can find me at uh, on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, at FB Garbage Time or in the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. We'll be back next time with more horror movie reviews on podcasts. Until then, watch those horror movies here, make those NFL prop bet dares, and enjoy your NFL week and super wild card weekend. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>